On today's show, the offseason is officially underway for the Atlanta Hawks as exit interviews took place on Friday morning and afternoon. We'll talk about all of what was said into microphones from various Hawks personnel and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1462 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Friday evening. And today's episode, we'll be diving into exit interviews. The Hawks season is now over, of course, as it was on Thursday evening. And by the way, if you listen to that podcast, thank you for listening. If not, I encourage you to check out the Game 6 breakdown and, and really the entire series of content on this same podcast feed, anywhere you get your podcast. And also, by the way, as a reminder, we want you to have this podcast be your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey app, and we're also on YouTube on the video side. But basically, the offseason began in earnest on Friday with exit interviews. They began on Friday morning and went all the way for about six hours. Yes, six hours of content availabilities from about two-thirds of the roster spoke today, plus Quinn Snyder and Landry Fields at the end of that. I posted actually on the audio platforms of this podcast the audio from Quinn and Landry at the end of the availability session today. Something you definitely should check out on the on this podcast feed, anywhere you get your podcast again. Either one, neither one of those guys made like huge news with their comments, but they're still interesting to listen to and sort of ph- philosophically and all that stuff. So it's instructive to hear from them always. And I think it's good for fans to hear from those um, availabilities in full sometimes. So you actually have the questions, kind of the back and forth and the tone and all that stuff. So I won't add too much here. I'll, I'll post some, uh, some audio later on this podcast. One comment from Landry Fields that I have queued up. But the rest of that, I would encourage you to listen to those full interviews on the audio-only feeds of this podcast. And I'll talk about all of the guys who spoke today in varying depths. But honestly, the number one takeaway that I had from this particular session of speaking was that pretty much every player who spoke was unanimous and effusive in their praise for Quinn Snyder. Now, on one hand, that's not shocking. Snyder is the head coach. He has a lot of power. He just got here. Big contract. He's, he's a very respected guy. But they don't have to be glowing as they were in this spot, especially after a loss last night. And I've sat in a lot of these kind of things, you know, media day sessions, ex interview sessions like this. And it's pretty clear to me that the team likes Quinn and what he was able to kind of bring to the table when he arrived in February. It, I heard that already just for the record. Like, so as soon as he got there, people were very impressed with him. Um, his detail has always been a topic of conversation. Uh, the way that he, so, he sort of relate, relates to players and the way he's been communicating, his approach to the assistant staff that he kind of inherited in the middle of the season, all those things. And look, I love the hire. I praised it up and down. He was the guy that I said the Hawks should try to hire when they part, part with, with name it McMillan. So unanimous approval from me on that one as well. But it was pretty notable to me, like how positive kind of everyone was about Quinn and not just the normal positive, like a step or two beyond that. I won't play a ton of audio for you because generally speaking, the quality on the audio is not great. It's kind of a weird setup at media day, but uh, sorry, X interviews today, but I do want to give you some, some idea of what the comments were with regard to Quinn. So I'm going to play one extended clip for you right now. The first part of that was actually an answer from Click Capella to a question that I asked about kind of what Quinn brought to the table. And then after a mini break, you'll hear Trey Young talk about Quinn in two parts. First, you'll hear Trey kind of talking on his own. And then you'll hear a question from Allison Mastrangelo of WSB TV uh, Channel 2 in Atlanta in between Trey's answers and then one more answer from Trey. So uh, here's that clip just to kind of get an idea from two prominent players about how they feel about Quinn Snyder. 
right away what we felt is how specific he is about details, and and I've I've been with like I've been to that level of, of basketball where details really really matter, and I felt that right away with him that he's he's the next level coach. He whatever he asks from you, he wants you like that's the kind of detail that you need whenever you you want to be a. a, a, a at least an Eastern Conference final team every year and give you a chance, uh, give yourself a chance to get there. And we all felt that whenever he came in. So uh, we, we, we could feel how, I could feel how everybody on the team, uh, players were even more involved and, and more focused. So that's, that's really what he, he brought to us. I'm excited for this summer. I mean, Quinn's one of the best coaches I've ever had in, uh, in my whole life. So just, being able to have him, um, being able to, to listen to him and be coached by him, uh, it's going to be a fun, fun summer and fun transition going into next year. What is it that makes him one of the best coaches you've ever had? It really looks like he's coaching well from practice, even on the side before you sub in. I mean, you guys look like you're Yeah, I mean, we constantly are talking, and he's very, like, he's very cerebral. He's very smart, like, when it comes to, like, as a point guard, you want to get everybody involved. You want to get everybody touches and Sometimes it's tough when everybody doesn't know where to go or you know where everybody's at. And uh, he does a great job of making sure I know um, where everybody needs to be at and making sure everybody else knows where they need to be at. Like, it's, it's, it goes both ways. Like, you need to, to have somebody that, that leads you on the court and then a coach that, I mean, that can lead the team and lead everybody else too. And, um, I mean, I can be coached and uh, I love I love playing for coaches like him and I mean I'm not not in any disrespect to any of my other coaches I've had great coaches my whole career but um everybody's different and uh he brings something special to our team and uh I mean I really enjoy playing for him you get the idea there obviously you know Trey especially you know he's a lot of attention paid to the relationship between Trey and Quinn for obvious reasons but uh Trey seems to be pretty much all in and there you go on that um the other thing that I would say as far as like my big picture takeaways from the day is one more thing like on the court, and that is Bogdan Bogdanovich, which might sound odd, but stay with me, and we'll start with him as we go player by player through the Hawks roster who got other guys who spoke today. So the biggest thing for me, maybe the whole day overall, even, you know, at least alongside the Quinn stuff, was that Bogey said and indicated and kind of showcased that he is coming out of the season healthy, and that's just enormous. Now, he's not as good as Trey or DeJounte or other guys on the roster, that's obviously worth noting, but Bogey's been banged up for a long time. And when you consider that the Hawks already paid him, that put a lot of pressure on them to hopefully get through the season unscathed. A couple of recent summers where he kind of just wasn't able to really do anything on the floor to improve and stay in shape and all those things because he was dealing with knee injuries. And you really can't rehab uh, beyond just like getting your strength back in that knee. So he can actually rest for the first time in a long time. He can recover. He said he felt the best. Um, all year long at the end of the season, which is a very, very positive sign. Bogey's playing to play on in the uh, World Cup of, of FIBA later on this summer for Serbia at the end of August. And basically, he'll join that team in July and kind of ramp up from the season from there. But um, there are bigger names, obviously, again. But for lack of a better description, exit interviews are sometimes kind of cliche and similar. Not in a bad way, but if you've done this a long time, like a lot of the answers are interesting to a point, but not a lot of news made always, unless there's just actual like Ivor Race news made. Not criticism, just kind of what it is what it is. But I think Bogey being healthy is a tangible and a big deal for this team, again, because of the extension and because of how important he's been. Like I've said this before on the show a lot, the Hawks have always, in the last three or four years, 
been their best when Bogey is good. And it's not it's not because he's their best player, but he's a very valuable piece, especially on offense. You know, his juice off the dribble, his juice as a shooter in particular, and the fact that like when his highs are very high. Famously in 2021, when the Hawks made their big run, he shot 50% from three basically for about two months. And that was why, and at least in large part, why they made the run they made. So that's all, all that said, it's big for them that he's healthy. He won't start next year, I don't think, necessarily. He's going to be a six-man, but he's embraced that role as well. In fact, he talked about the fact that you know, he was pretty upbeat about, upbeat about the bench mob in general and having fun together when he and Kongwu kind of anchored that bench group together with, uh, you know, J.O. Johnson and A.J. Griffin along the way, et cetera, and then Sadiq Bey at the end of the year. He's embraced that role. Bogey, when he first arrived, definitely wanted to start. Um, but now he's kind of figured out, I think, that he's very valuable in this role. He got paid again, and I think he's been pretty comfortable settling down into that six-man, seventh-man role. He's encouraged everybody to stay ready and hit the ground running when he actually comes into the game. It's kind of that old hand with that bench unit. He's also was making fun of a Kongwu for three-point celebrations um, throughout the uh, media availability. So a lot of fun there. And also, last thing on Bogey is that he, along with everybody else, basically brought talks about Quinn bringing immediate respect and trust with his pedigree dating back to Utah and that they, the Hawks kind of bought into Quinn from there right away. And he's encouraged about the future under him and sort of that different mindset that Quinn Snyder brings to the table. So pretty positive stuff there with regard to Bogdanovich. Elsewhere, uh, this is not going to be in really any huge order. I'm going to kind of go mostly chronologically, and then we'll kind of end with Trey and DeJounte at the very end of this thing. But uh, Clint Capella uh, is next on the agenda, and he had a goal that he kind of talked about. It's, it's, on one hand, it's pretty obvious. On the other hand, it's kind of notable for a veteran guy. He said it's like important to the Hawks to get into that top four in the regular season next year to kind of make it easier for them. Because right now, like they played a lot better in the playoffs. We talked about it a lot on the most recent show and all the way through the uh, postseason. The Hawks have, at least at this moment in time, they were not playing like a, a traditional seven seed. They were better than that, as I thought they were all year long, but they'd never won as many games as they probably should have. I think it's important for the future. I think Clint sort of echoed this to actually not put themselves in this tough spot where you play a first round series with no home court advantage against a, good, against a really good opponent, like a top two seed like Boston. So that's notable. Um, the need for consistency was a theme for Clint in his speaking. I uh, talked about attention to detail with Quinn, as I, as I played for you earlier on the podcast. And also, he, along with other guys, um, basically takes like three or four weeks to kind of recharge and unplug at the end of the season before diving back into his offseason work. He did kind of joke about not having the same access to like ESPN and the, and the news cycle when he goes home to Geneva. So that's probably uh, probably helpful for him to kind of log off. But there you go on Clint, uh, one of those interesting pieces, because, look, there is definitely a possibility that Clint has moved in the next few months. I'm not going to tell you it's definitely likely to happen, but it's certainly possible. So keep an eye on that guy in the future as well. Uh, Jalen Johnson is a guy I want to at least talk about for a second. Um, Jalen, this is actually importantly not quite the same as Bogey, but this is going to be his first healthy and full offseason to do skill work as a pro. Last year, he was banged up, importantly. like um, I think all summer long, we talked about the fact that Jalen and Bogey were not doing anything, and Bogey was behind schedule with regard to Jalen. Jalen was back for training camp, but you know I have thought this for a long time. I know I've said it before on the podcast, but especially for young guys, that summer between your first, second year or second and third year, those are huge summers for skill development. And for a guy like Jalen, who's already very, very skilled, having that time to kind of work on your game and make that big jump is notable. And last year, while he got better in year two, for sure, he didn't have that summer to kind of go ahead and do that. So he said later that it's a, it's a good feeling for him to not have to go into the summer having to rehab, just be able to focus on his game and work on his body and try to improve. And I would certainly echo that. I think it's a pretty big summer for Jalen Johnson. I think he kind of knows that. The team knows that. 
and we'll see what he looks like in year three because we kind of all joked about it, but it really is true. He was kind of a rookie this year, even in year two. So circle that for year three next year for Jalen Johnson. Um, talks about you know his not really having a ton of specifics about his work about his workouts, but I would point to his shooting as a huge area to focus on for Jalen. I think he knows that. I think they they all kind of know that. Um, he was not being guarded in the Boston series, and that was a, it's a playoff series. It's a great team, so I understand all that. But I think he's going to need to be able to become a better shooter to maximize his impact. Everything else is more like just feel and getting more experience and seasoning, but he's going to have to be able to shoot it at some point. He did credit Quinn Snyder for kind of being able to play freely and more instinctively and just play more consistently, honestly, and with more confidence after Quinn got there. He said teammates have been encouraging him to kind of grab and go and not hold back. And he talks about how important that is for your confidence as a young guy in the league, which makes sense. Like if your teammates and your coaches are just telling you go and play hard and play extensionally, that's definitely helpful for your confidence. Um, he's sort of a TBD for summer league. They haven't talked about that yet at this point in time, but he didn't. He did acknowledge at the end of the uh, availability that he's only planning to take like, like a week off, decompress, because in his words, "quote It's a big summer." End quote. So obviously, that I echo that. And the last thing that I will point to is that he talked about how he sort of learned along the way this year that the little the little stuff, the details on the margins, is very important at the highest levels, and that's the next step for a player like Jalen Johnson. All right. We have more coming on the podcast and more players to dive into. But first, it word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Nissan. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And this week's choice is going to be John Collins for the Hawks. Nissan Aria, by the way, is brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, and suddenly powerful. It brings an impressive combination of traits to the table. It is the perfect crossover. And certainly, we could go with, with Trey Young in this space. And last time we did this award, it was Trey Young. So, we will pivot this time around on Nissan Player of the Week and go with John Collins. We had a very good week for the Hawks at the end of the series against the Boston Celtics. Averaged 19 points a game on about 58% shooting in the last two games of the series. Shot 7-13 from three. Combined in those two games and was arguably their best defender of the entire series. Certainly on the short list, if nothing else, on defense. It was kind of an up and down year for Collins, but certainly uh, uh, sort of ended on a, on a pretty high note heading into the offseason. By the way, the Nissan Aria packs the power it will pin you to your seat, and it also has the premium intelligence they're looking for all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria is the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, and when you're at your best, you can do great things. Sometimes life gets in the way and gets you bogged down. They might feel overwhelmed necessarily, or maybe as if you're not showing up the way that you want to or that you need to. If that sounds like you at all, and you might be thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option for you. It's convenient flexible, affordable, and entirely online. I personally know people that in my life, several of them actually, who have greatly benefited from the work of BetterHelp. And they are all people who found something different that they actually needed with BetterHelp. You can fill out a brief questionnaire right now to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you need to switch therapists at any single time, you can go ahead and do that with no additional charge with BetterHelp. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there. And visit betterhelp.com slash locked on right now to get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That is BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. Okay, we'll go to Nick Agongwu at this point in time. He said it was a lot of fun down the stretch of the season when they were just playing better and playing with energy and they were healthy and they were deep and all that. He certainly seems to think that Quinn Snyder is pretty good, like everybody else does. He talks about his detail, but he called him actually a top-tier coach in the league, which makes sense, and guys have close bonds with him already along the way. He poked fun at asking uh, Snyder if he actually really wanted to shoot a three-point shot when he first drew up the play for Okongwu. I think there were four or five times in the Snyder era where they drew up out-of-timeout out of plays for Okongwu to take a three. And the first time, he was kind of surprised by that. But he did say 
he's already worked on a jump shot a lot and asked the media if they kind of agreed with that. It was kind of a funny mo- moment, but he's, he spoke about kind of continuing that, also improving his handle. I think Akong was already a really good ball handler, so him having even more room to grow there would be pretty impressive. But um, I think it's a big summer for him as well. Not quite as like impactful as what the jump could be for Jalen Johnson, but there is a pretty decent chance that Akongwu is a starting center next year on the team. I'm not saying, again, that Clint's going to be gone, but I think that Akongwu certainly could be in for a bigger role if they were to move on from Clint. He's going into year four and extension talks. That's one of the offseason storylines is that it could extend Akongwu at some point in the future. So keep that keep an eye on that as well. But it's talks about how actually close he is with Capella. I know fans on the outside always want to have those guys compared to each other. And I get all that, but they are pretty close by all accounts. Like they, they want to be supportive of each other and cheer for each other, make each other better. Um, and that's kind of been a good partnership for, I think both of them as Capella kind of shows in the ropes and a combo can make everybody better around him as well. Uh, DeAndre Hunter next on the agenda. He stressed that Quinn and Landry want him to be collaborative with them, uh, kind of what they look up, look to improve on with Hunter this year. He did say three-point shot is on the agenda this year, as well as uh, kind of noting that Quinn, and I quote, loves threes, end quote, which is very true at this point. That was driven home by a lot of guys, but especially by DeAndre in that moment. He said that Snyder's been really encouraging to him since he got there, especially when it comes to like staying aggressive and hunting his own shot. I think Hunter can, could do a good job, this is me talking now, uh, of taking more threes, hunting them, and not taking as many mid-rangers. It's been something I, I talked about a lot, but I think the different vibe that he mentioned between Snyder and Nate is notable, but I think that Hunter taking you know eight, nine threes a game would be a good idea for him moving forward. He did say, um, and it's kind of an interesting uh, conversation, he probably doesn't watch a lot of basketball compared to a lot of a lot of NBA players. Uh, maybe some big games and stuff, but not like full series every night. He had a funny like deadpan moment when he said, and I quote, I like YouTube, which is kind of a, a funny moment. He's kind of a dry sense of humor kind of guy, is DeAndre. Um, he did say he made sure to talk, talk to everybody on the team at the end of the game last night to make sure like, you know, guys might be out the door, all that stuff, just want to make sure that he was uh, staying in contact. He did praise the crowd. A lot of guys did for game six and beyond. It kind of reminded him of some of the wild moments in college when he played at Virginia and uh, one of those, um, you know, big time moments. It also said game five was probably his best moment of the year as far as the team is concerned. I think a lot of guys would echo that sentiment winning on the road in Boston. And then he ended up by, he ended up by laughing uh, about Kongwu and three-point shooting. That became kind of a theme throughout the day. Everybody's got kind of poking fun at, oh, is three-point shooting. I'm sure that he's been talking about that a lot behind the scenes, but kind of a funny little back and forth there between Hunter and the media. Um, next is Sadiq Bey. Uh, Bay opened up by saying that he wanted to stay true to himself and really came in and tried to do whatever team asked him to do when he came in midseason. I would echo that just from the outside. I think Sadiq did a very good job and had a good impact on the roster when he arrived, providing depth, providing shooting, a good character guy by all accounts. Um, he does. He said he trusts Quinn Snyder with, with, when, it, when it comes to like leading the team and also with his own game. said it is, an, and I quote, a blessing and a joy to play for him. Bob Rathbun, friend of the podcast, asked Sadiq if Quinn reminds him of Jay Wright, who was coaching him at Villanova, and Sadiq kind of agreed with that. He said he run through a wall for both Jay Wright and Quinn Snyder, which is notable. Uh, it talks about being like a leader on the floor and off the floor, working hard over the summer. No like specifics on his improvements off the floor, but wants to say uh, he did say that he wants to be more versatile. I think defensively, it's hard to work on that, but I think Bay's foot speed is always a, a question mark. So that's something I'd be looking at if I was the training staff with regard to Sadiq. And he did say it was a good experience to be in the playoffs for the first time because he had been in Detroit. They had not been anywhere near the playoffs in his first couple of years in the league. So uh, wants to be. Uh, he thought it was a good challenge to play against Boston and their versatility and their skill level on the perimeter. And said it was kind of different with how it's officiated than he kind of thought from the outside looking in and the intensity ramping up with regard to compared to the regular season and the playoffs. And he did say, like, it's not like shocking to me, but I think fans might be surprised. Like, he's been living in a hotel for three months, basically. 
since he got traded to Atlanta, no time to like go house hunting. So he's been living in a hotel. He plans to get more settled in over the offseason. But it's one of those things that you kind of forget about from the outside that a guy get, who gets traded midseason might have to like figure out how to live and like do what he's, do he's going to do for a few months till the season is actually over. Um, one more here before we get to some other guys at the end of the roster and then Murray and Trey at the end is AJ Griffin. AJ recounted the buzzer beater that he hit against the Raptors and his dad. That was a fun moment. I think people have uh, remembered earlier this season and uh, really a fun kind of moment across the board from his family and uh, high profile stuff from the Hawks. He said game three was probably the best game he's ever watched in basketball anywhere. Uh, Also, he said that he was pretty sure it seemed like it might have been his first playoff game he's ever actually been to, which is kind of surprising for a guy who played, sorry, who was the son of a former NBA player. But AJ said he's basically was always playing at this time, which makes sense as a young guy coming up in the AAU system. AAU system. Um, but he got to see it up close and talked about kind of being there with fellow rookie Tyrese Martin and kind of just taking it all in from the bench together through that, through that game. And AJ, you know, is always upbeat, um, definitely always positive. Talks about getting a ton of experience and wisdom from the season at large, both from playing and listening and watching. I'm sure it helped always that his dad, you know, has a lot of pointers for him as a former NBA player and now a coach in the league. But AJ is just kind of infectious in his positivity. That was always fun to kind of be around and just kind of listen to him. I think it'll be a big year for him as well. He played a lot less after they got 100% healthy at the end of the year with Bay, and then they went to kind of, kind of went to Jalen over him, which was understandable. But I do think um, next year it will surprise me if they don't go into the season with AJ in a firm rotation role. So, uh, you, you know, year two could be a pretty big one for him. And I think it's also very important to know, as we'll talk about this more later on in the offseason, I'm sure when I do some player review stuff, but the fact that AJ was able to stay healthy, he had had a lot of durability and injury questions coming out of high school and going into Duke. And that's kind of why I think one of the reasons why he fell in the draft. So for him to be, again, knock on wood, healthy for really the whole year is huge. And I think that's a nice step forward. He's healthy now, full offseason to kind of get his uh, get his work done and a step forward, I'm sure, in the offing for AJ Griffin. All right, one more break here to hear from our sponsors, and we'll come back, talk about the guys who didn't speak, and then as well as DeJounte Murray and Trey Young at the end of the podcast. Today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure that every single player is a perfect fit for the roster, and it's the same thing when it comes to your vehicle. Every part has to fit just right. And so the next time you're looking for your parts or accessories for your car, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every single part that you need fits right and does it the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win that you're actually looking for with the right parts are guaranteed for you. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. One more time, that is ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we'll end with Ajante and Trey, but of course it's worth noting that who did not speak today, and that was five players. Um, that is pretty normal. I think there was a lot of reaction. We'll talk about the one guy who got a lot of attention for this uh, in a second, but um, five guys not speaking is not out of the ordinary. I think there's pro- pretty much always been at least one or two Every year that I've covered the team, which is more than a decade now, who don't speak at the end of the season, it's kind of a normal thing. Uh, just for the record, guys don't have to talk. It's not required at the end of the year. Uh, but John Collins did not speak, and that was the one prominent name who did not talk. Uh, notable, he was one of the two guys along with Trey who spoke after the game last night. So it made it a little bit less weird that he, did, that he didn't talk, at least in my opinion, because he had just spoken for you know several minutes last night about the season. Um, I will say that people have already jumped on him. I saw that you know, Kevin Schnard tweeted out that he did not speak and people were uh, you know, jumping to conclusions about that and you know, upset about that or pointing to the fact that he's traded and all this stuff. I was surprised. I will say that he didn't talk because John always talks and that's notable to me, but 
it was less odd because he talked last night. Um, and because he didn't talk, I want to at least include one minute of the answer that Landry gave about him. You'll hear this question from Lauren Williams of the AJC in a second about how Collins' future uh, is up in the air. Of course, he's been on the block for so long when it comes to trade stuff. So uh, the audio quality is not perfect on this one, so my apologies. But here is what Landry had to say about John. Well, I don't expect you to tell us, you know, what your plans are with trades or anything like that. John is a name that consistently comes up in kind of those rumors. I mean, what is your vision for him and how do you see him potentially fitting on this roster moving forward? I think it's the same that I've spoken about just in the past. Um, yeah, John's name, it, it comes up a lot. And he's a good player. Yeah. Like, it should. Like, a lot of teams value him. And we have a lot of value uh, we're just not quite there yet on how we're going to piece some of this together. We do have to take some time to celebrate, but then also to look back and figure out, okay, what are the next steps? Like, what is the pathway with the particular group and the particular system that we're implementing um, in order for us to take that next step? But we need to, we need to take time to reflect on that. Anyway, I wouldn't worry too much about him not talking today. John's always been available and talking. And um, I know there's this assumption, I think, at this point in time that he'll be traded. Um, I think it's very possible he could be. Um, but we've been here before. I think there is definitely a chance he's not traded. No question about that. I think he had a better end of the season than some might have thought. And, uh, you know, a lot to get to on the trade front. I am purposely saving my takes on trade and roster stuff. My one thing that I have said before, and I'll say again right now, is that I do think that someone – from the top eight or nine of the roster is going to be traded in the next couple of months. It could be John, it could be Clint, it could be Hunter, it could be McDonavich, it could be whoever. I'll, I'll be surprised if it's Trey, but everybody else is kind of at least open for business on some level. Anyway, we'll leave it there for now. The other guys who, didn't, the other guys who did not speak on this night, uh, sorry, afternoon, were Garrison Matthews, Tyrese Martin, Bruno Fernando, and Trent Forrest. With the supporting guys, it could have been maybe some of that, like the media didn't really ask for those guys as much. Um, that might have happened in the setting. But notably, you know, Matthews, Martin, and Fernando are, are all on the team next year, at least for right now. They're under contract. So, like, with Forrest, it's kind of understandable. He was on a two-way. He couldn't play in the playoffs. That's a very normal thing for him to kind of step away. But, uh, you know, Matthews, Martin, Fernando, all on the team next year, at least as, for, as of now. So keep, that in, keep an eye on that. Um, again, nobody has to do those things, so I'm not, like, making it a big deal. Just kind of noteworthy. Last guys who uh, spoke briefly were the more uh, fringe guys. Aaron Holiday spoke for a few minutes. He said he wants to work on his playmaking this offseason. I would definitely encourage him to do that. Um, he kind of just talked about staying ready to play when you're on the fringe of a rotation, which is a difficult thing to do for a lot of different guys. It, it, it definitely takes being a pro to do that. He praised A.J. Griffin and how much he was a sponge this year, asking questions and gathering info and getting help to grow. And he praised Quinn like everybody else did about how he prepared the team. Uh, Vic Krejci thought this year was kind of when he settled in for the first time in his career. He was not really banged up or injured for the first time in a while. He plans to go home to the Czech Republic for the summer, most of the summer, but he'll be back. And then he got a question about kind of who kind of who helped him the most this year. And he said, without hesitation, it was John Collins. Uh, he talks about the positive energy that Collins brings, what he does on and off the court and how much he helped Veet throughout this process. So a shout out to John from Krejci. And then Donovan Williams was the kind of the last guy to kind of that you would think about. And I swear to you, I'm, I'm not making fun of Donovan Williams at all. Every time he comes up, someone in my mentions like doesn't know he's on the team. And it's because he was on a two-way. He signed midseason. Uh, I get it. He didn't really play minutes for the Hawks this year. But he said it's pretty tough some ways to come in midseason and be on a different organization. He's still very young, by the way. He's 21 years old. So for him to change teams midseason is a little bit strange. Um, he talks about his defensive plan kind of being focused on defense and being able to be better on that end of the floor against bigger players. For those of you who have not seen him, he's pretty slender. 
He's got decent length, just kind of a skinnier guy, offense focused at this point in time. So it talks about getting stronger, and I'm sure he wants to focus on that. And also working with Bogey and even Kyle Korver, the assistant GM for the Hawks, about some shooting stuff because those guys are obviously documented top flight shooters. Uh, one of those guys still playing, and the other one is an all-time shooter in Kyle Korver. Um, lastly, DeJounte and Trey. Again, no grand revelations here. You know, DeJounte said he missed being a part of the playoffs the last couple of years because the first uh, couple of years in San Antonio when he was a role player, he was in the playoffs, but they haven't been there in a while. Um, he talks about having a chip on his shoulder, as he always does. I thought it was interesting that he talked about the fact that it was almost like training camp when Quinn came in midseason, but also having to play opponents every night, kind of a challenge there by everybody. He did credit his teammates and the staff for kind of, kind of navigating that pretty well. I think it got, for me anyway, underplayed still how weird and how difficult it was for the Hawks all the way across the board, from Quinn to the assistants to the players, to have that whole change happen live in the middle of the season. It's just so difficult, so unprecedented in some ways, and the Hawks did a pretty decent job of handling it. Um, he talks about Jalen Johnson a lot, how close they are, and complimented him a lot. Um, he discussed kind of how it was a challenge for him to go from being kind of the full-time on-ball point guard last year with San Antonio back into an off-ball role at times this year with the Hawks. He did have familiarity with that. In San Antonio, he's not always the guy in recent years, but he wants to play around on both ends of the floor and sharing the ball and kind of seeing all, all those things. I think he, he and Trey were both very positive about each other in the uh, exit interviews today. No surprise there, but they have more work to do. But they, they definitely some, they found some strides along the way this season. And then Trey, um, he said he came a long way uh, this, this year. Both he did and the team did over the course of the season. He praised the fan base for showing out during the playoffs, especially game six. He said he's going to take some, some time off, but – I thought the the one kind of almost news item a little bit was that Trey said that, quote, God willing, he'll be on the USA team this summer. Now, the FIBA World Cup is, again, coming in August. Bogey said he's going to play in the play for Serbia. But Trey was kind of famously left off the U.S. team a couple times in previous years. And it's clear that he wants to play. I'm not sure he will. We'll see what the roster looks like there. I'm not an expert on what that process looks like right now. But he wants to play there. And he made it pretty clear again today. And then, again, talks about him and DeJounte. Uh, he said the thing I, that I played for you earlier about Quinn being is that I think one of the best coaches he ever had, et cetera. So I thought it was again pretty notable that Trey had been so glowing about Quinn the last couple of days, even post game last night. Very similar sentiment. So uh, that relationship seems to be in a pretty good place, which is good for Hawks fans. And before we get out of here on this kind of uh, jumbled back and forth podcast, um, some overall stuff. Um, Summer League was a topic, it always is in extra interviews, but basically no one confirmed their playing uh, at Summer League. I would expect people to kind of ask this question, like who's going to play? It's really early and injuries, all that stuff. But I would guess that AJ Griffin and Tyrese Martin are the likely guys to be there. AJ might be the kind of guy who is too good to be there and might play like once or twice and then get shut down. That wouldn't surprise me. But I think those two guys, plus whoever the Hawks draft, are probably going to be the pillars of the summer league roster. Then you also have Donovan Williams could play if he's still around on that two-way contract. I think Jalen Johnson could be there, but I think he might be a little bit too advanced. We'll see. But uh, after year two, We'll see. Um, but that's kind of what I would expect for Summer League. And also, just as a note about the schedule, you know, we're in season wrap-up mode now for a while. I will do some player review stuff in the next couple of weeks. Also, um, all summer long, we'll talk about the transaction cycles and what the roster is going to look like and what, when it comes to the draft and free agency and trades. Um, draft content will ramp up for me um, beginning this week, I think. Next week, I should say. Um, at some point, we'll have interspersed for a while. And as we get closer to the draft, it'll be kind of almost all draft in June. Um, free agency, by the way, is June 30th. The draft is June 22nd, so we're less than two months away. The Hawks could be overhauling the, the roster as soon as June because they could be making trades of the draft, and they have two draft picks, 15 and 46. 
Then you have uh, free agency, where the Hawks and Wings might have the mid-level to use. We'll see about that. And then Summer League is, again, July 7th through 17th, and an opportunity to watch some games involving some Hawks players. So a busy offseason ahead. I know if you listen to the podcast last night, I said that as well, but we definitely encourage you to listen to the show across the summer, and please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, we're on Odyssey, and we're on Google Play, and uh, all those places. We're also on YouTube. Um, if you want to like and subscribe to the show there as well, ratings and reviews appreciated. Also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my written work about the Hawks at patreon.com slash BT Roland. Thanks for listening. I know it's sort of a, a rambling podcast, but to end the week, but we'll have a fresh set of uh, episodes next week talking about the draft and how the Hawks finish the season. Big picture stuff, narrow stuff, details, all that fun stuff that you come to expect from this podcast. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next time.